Hello, and welcome to The Spiel of Time, a spoiler-free podcast discussing Robert Jordan's fantasy epic series, The Wheel of Time. Each episode, Chris, a first-time reader, and Tom, a series veteran, read one or two chapters and sit down to examine them a little deeper. about these chapters we're going to have a fun time this week um, it's hard to say you know yeah see when we were talking about this episode and I was like yeah these are banging these chapters and you were like meh yeah not, <laughs> I was a bit let down here yeah I, I love these ones. I think you've built up too much for me to be fair yeah, see I, I just love these I just love these every chapter I'm like ah, these good ones these are and you're like meh mm. <laughs> um, yeah well I've listened to them on um, the Audible a couple of times and that um has, you know, sorry, I've been sidetracked. <laughs> I listened to them a couple of times yeah. on Audible, and uh, it's got better with sort of subsequent listens. But I don't, it didn't really catch my attention the first time. I was really not that bothered with what was. Do you think your problem is? Go on. You're you're very much in the sort of Rand is the main character vibe, aren't you? And you you just want to get back to Rand. Yes, maybe. <laughs> but I also feel like Rand is the one where the most shit's happening. Really? Do you not know think? No, I don't. Like, at this point, I don't think so. No. We've, obviously, we've had Rand up to the point where they all separated. Yeah. So, like, obviously, he's had a head start. Yeah. I'll give him that. But then he's been on, you know, hashtag bought life. Yeah. So Excellent yeah. chapter. I mean,. It was alright. <laughs> I, I mean, I like that chapter because it, I come up with my. Well, but I think was it what, was that just before I come up with one of my best theories about the use of the power in being all crazy. Yeah, you did. I think you did. That was the uh, um, yeah that come up around then, and he's like they made it to Whitebridge and half men have attacked him. Yeah, and that's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's good, but like. Parents there's just, a big wolf adventure with traveling people. He's found a couple of wolf. Yeah, tra- yeah the traveling people, by the way. Awful. Dan- dancing women. Awful wolves. chapters. <laughs> they're so poor. And then these ones. They introduce another faction of people and then they can fuck immediately off. Like, <laughs> yeah, but then where we get these chapters where we've got loads of stuff. Anyway, should we, should we, should we just get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. And I'll outline why these chapters are great. Yeah, you can try. <laughs> So, a little chapter summary for you yeah, for let's get into the chapter summary. 29, Eyes Without Pity. You got the right chapter this time. I have. Good, good job. Finally on top. <laughs> Perrin, Elias, and Egwene are travelling swiftly now they are away from the travelling people, but Elias is more cautious than ever. Turns out he was right to be, as it appears that flocks of ravens are hunting them down. The three make it to a place of safety just in time and learn a little about the history of it. So, yeah, pretty much extremely like, cautious travelling, I think. Yeah, know. so Elias seemed he's gone from being really really relaxed with the travelling people uh-huh. to like on high alert, hasn't he? Yes, and he's not letting them set fires, and not allowed to snap sticks. Well, no, sorry, he is letting them set fires, but he's not letting them snap sticks for that fire, which feels like it, it, you know when like land's being cautious. Yeah, he's like no, no fire at all. <laughs> It's, it, it feels like Elias is looking for a different type of threat. One that can hear. Well, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You can't snap sticks, you can't... 
But you can have a visible thing. I mean, I suppose he, they do bury the fire every time. Mm-hmm. And like, but they, it was they a try and write everything. Smoke the land. I know it's yeah. only a smaller fire. Yeah, yeah. You, you want them to have a big fire, but you're still going to be creating smoke from that. I think it's still quite a. You know, do you know what I mean? It just feels like he's looking for a different threat to what they've been looking at before. And again, we do get like sort of the, the threat that is unclear because like Perrin's, yeah, he still doesn't know what. He's, yeah, Perrin says there's no Trollocs close because the wolves scented only grass and trees and animals. It's just yeah. Um, he's, it's, it just, it's just an instinct, I guess. Yeah, something else which even Elias was not sure. Yeah. Um, and Elias is like talking to himself, saying, well, why am I doing this? Like, you know, we have to go this way because, you know, I'll never be sick of you. I'll never be rid of you and all this sort of like chuttering to himself and like nobody's said out to him. Do you know what this reminds me of? I don't know if you get this. Like, I know you're not like a big animal person and they might be aware of it, but like, you know when they say dogs can sort of sense earthquakes? Mm-hmm. It seems like almost like a, a premonition, almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know if you but get that's not just a, Is that not just instinct? See, I don't know. I don't know if you get this feeling, but, like, again, like, when you get the walls worn, they're on as well, earthquakes and stuff before they've ever happened. Mm. And it's like, well, it's that sort of thing where like he's having a little Elias is, like, super paranoid about something, but he doesn't know what. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. He's also quite irrational in his fear, though, as well, isn't he? I mean, it, it, I mean, it does turn out he's right, doesn't it? But <laughs> no, but what I mean is, sorry, he he wants it all doing his way. Yeah, uh, he wants it all quiet and whatever. But then there's this bit where he's, the one time Egwene had protested that Elias was the one who wanted to go around the hills and he should not blame them. It got her a lecture on how sound carried, delivered in a growl that could have been heard a mile off. Yeah. So he's like sort of telling them to be quiet, but then you know, at the sort of first sort of um, uh, like assault on his uh, on his plan. It, He's quick to like, you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. he, he, he's not following his plan 100%. Yeah. He, he sort of do what I say, not what I do. It's, it's very sort of like adult and children, isn't it? Like, yeah. he's, he's like, I'm in charge, yeah. Yeah. Do so, it my way. Yeah. Bit of a thingy one. Um, Perry gets a bit of a funny feeling, doesn't he? Yeah. What so they're going up, they're going up, but some of the ridges that they can't go around, they're going across, but they're being like super cautious about it. Um, and at the third such ridge, Perrin's stomach lurched. Sour fumes rose in his throat, and he knew if he had to wait even five minutes, he would vomit. Uh, I, he swallowed, I'm coming too. And that feels like, there's not really an explanation for why he feels that way, so that feels like his instinct is kicking in. Yeah. Similar to Elias. Um, uh, was it, is this the one? Is this the one where, the, where it happens? Where what happened? The ravens? Yeah, it's, it's sort of... Again, it's it's hard to keep track of this chapter, isn't it? But like, there's a lot of sort of yeah. This is so they get at the top, and this is probably the first time that Perrin's being with Elias, and uh, Perrin's like, well, "This is ridiculous." And as he makes to stand, all the ravens yes fly up. So it feels like he he must have had a, a sense as well. All of a sudden, he's sort of leaning into his powers a bit, I guess. Um. The 50 to 100 blackbirds spiralling into the sky. Um, blackbirds as in. They are birds that are black. Yes, not blackbirds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ravens. Yeah. <laughs> and they all broke sharply in the same direction, south. Yeah, see, I, I don't know if that feels unnatural to you. Yeah. But it does to me, yeah, it's sort of like one mind almost. Yeah, well, yeah, but also south, isn't that away from where our people are headed? I'm not sure. Um, 
Yeah, I think so. Sorry, I'm just looking at the map real quick. Oh no, they've been mostly heading um, east from Emmonsfield. Yeah, east, and they're sort of headed south a little bit to get to Whitebridge based on the map. So, well, yeah, they're off to Camden now, aren't they? So, yeah. No, sorry, I just put my map away. Let me look where Camden is. Yeah, more east. To be fair, so it's not really. Yeah, I guess South is a little bit odd then. So I suppose they just start searching, like. It doesn't matter what direction they're going, they're more sort of just looking, does that make sense? Yeah. We get that there's more than one flock, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get from Perry asks Elias, was that what you were afraid of? Why didn't you say something? Why did the wolves see them? And Elias says, wolves don't look up in trees much. And no, I wasn't looking for this. I told you I didn't know what. But he doesn't really answer the fact that that's what he was looking for. It, 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 it doesn't sound like he's still convinced that that was it. No. Do you know what I mean? No. It's like, I've, I was right to be cautious because this thing has happened, but I'm not convinced that this is why I'm on edge. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it is, it is a thing, but whatever it is, the thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then Elias sort of reaches out. No, sorry. Yeah, no, Elias reaches out to the wolves and Perrin can feel it. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you've got this as a point, but this chapter has a lot of Perrin sort of embracing his sort of power. Well, yeah, I mean, one of my points is called Wolfie Powers. Wolfie so, Powers. So um, I guess that kind of ties in. So at the end of I don't the... know if I necessarily thought of it as embracing his powers, but there is quite a lot of... Yes, at the, sort of at the end of the last chapter, he, he shut them off, didn't he? he? Yes. Yes, he was like very much... Bye. Yes. <laughs> And it seems like in times of... Yeah, because is that when he's like... Uh, yeah, he shuts them off and he's like, I don't want, don't want you in my head anymore. And they're like, what, even in your dreams? Yeah. Um, but now that he's in danger... No, I saw the last chapter, chapter before with Perrin. Because he had a dream. Yes, yes. Dream the last, last, week. last time we were with him. Yeah. No, the last time we were with him, he had a dream. And the wolf got killed. Yeah, it did. It did. I'm getting, I'm getting mixed up. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I think this is the most open he's been, isn't it? Yeah, okay. so he's he's not. Yeah, usually he'd like he'd be like, "Oh bloody hell, why can I hear these wolves' voices?" <laughs> oh bloody hell! <laughs> oh bloody hell! <laughs> these wolves are going to shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, whereas whereas now he's just sort of like, "Ah, oh, can hear the wolves' voices." It's the thing. But he's actively sort of using them as like scouts almost, isn't he? Yeah, he's not quite at the same level as Elias, but he, he's using the information that he's gaining. Sort of uh, passively, I guess. From yes, them. he's making decisions based on it as well. Yeah, and he's passing that on to Egwene. Like Egwene's wondering why such and such things happen. He's like, well, it's not Trollocs, so it's not this such so and so's seen some ravens over here. Or, or what? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. He, he can also sort of communicate with Elias as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can tell what Elias and the wolves are saying to each other. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so there's also sort of a communication that way. Elias wanted Dapple and her companions to quit scouting ahead to hurry back and check their back. Yeah, and I guess that's whether he's hearing that from Elias or whether he's hearing it from Dapple. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it Dapple's thought about oh bloody hell? <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop saying bloody, bloody hell. hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these English wolves, <laughs> bloody hell. <laughs> oh, Damn, <laughs> we're gonna head back over. Uh, Elias wants us to do this. I wonder if you can hear Elias specifically yes. asking Dapple. 
Um, um, yeah, so they're looking to find... Yeah, they're trying to find a safe place, and if they can reach it by dark, they'll be fine. Yeah, did we mention the fox? Um, I don't know if we've made it to the fox yet, have we? I'm not sure. No, we haven't. No? No. That's very close, isn't it? Yes, it's the next page. Again, I it's not much to say over these next few pages. It's very much running. I mean, I'll read you the fox bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of sums it up for the most part. Like, they kind of summed up the threat that they're running Yeah, because it's sort of like, oh, there's some birds about. Yeah. So abruptly, a fox burst out of the trees, running hard. Ravens poured from the branches after it. The beat of their wings almost drowned out a desperate whining from the fox. A black whirlwind dove and swirled around it. The fox's jaws snapped at them, but they darted in and darted away untouched. Black beaks glistening wetly. The fox turned back toward the trees, seeking the safety of its den. It ran awkwardly now, head low, fur dark and bloody, and the ravens flapped around it, more and more of them at once, the fluttering mass thickening until it hid the fox completely. As suddenly as they had descended, the ravens rose, wheeled and vanished over the next rise to the south. A misshapen lump of torn fur marked what had been the fox. Yeah, I think that paragraph's quite important because, I don't know about you, but I thought of like a flock of birds as not really being a threat, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it does, but I'm aware of the film The Birds. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm not. And I was like, I was like, ah, it's just a bunch of birds, isn't it? What are they going to do? Like, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's the volume of them, though, isn't yes. it? And same as like, well, one bee's not necessarily a threat or yes. a swarm of them is um well if I've got neuroallergic hastings. Um well I guess what's interesting is that the Ravens clearly searching for something but also they're they're indiscriminate. I don't imagine they've been sent out hunting a fox. <laughs> no But they have the let's life kill it. Yeah there is well, there is a bit. I'm drawing forward a little bit. But did you get the this uh Perrin remembers something Lan said. Um, so he remembered something Lan had said. All the Dark One's creatures delight in killing. The Dark One's power is in death. Oh, yes, I do have that, actually. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's less that they're sort of, like, looking for things. To get, but, like, if there's an opportunity, they'll take it. Like, yeah. But it, it's a bit silly, isn't it? A bit silly? <laughs> Oh bloody hell! Look at these that, ravens. That's a bit silly. <laughs> um, but, like, if you if you're hunting something, yeah, and I know it's you know quite hard to remain hidden as like a flock of ravens. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna like put a big trench coat on and have twenty twenty of you in them and like walk around the, the forests. But if you're just going to attack anything you see, you you're kind of giving a warning to people who. The people you're, you're looking for that might be there. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think ravens are like the ideal choice, but it's just like one of the tools at the dark ones' disposal, maybe. If yeah. that makes sense, like it's like, oh, well, my trollocs are over here. Yeah, and my half men are there. Oh bloody hell! I'll have to use the ravens. <laughs> Why is everyone praying? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just sort of like, oh, we've got some ravens, let's use them as well. Imagine about talking like that, man. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, they've got away from me again. <laughs> Are you the one or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like the ravens aren't perfect spies, but they're doing a job. Yeah. Um, and I guess just, just as another sort of sort of slight bit whilst we're still on ravens that a lone raven winged out of the copse it tilted toward them screamed and spun toward the south 
Knowing it was already too late, Perrin fumbled his sling from around his waist and he was still trying to get a stone from his pocket to the sling when the raven abruptly folded up in mid-air and plummeted to the ground. His mouth dropped open and then he saw the sling hanging from Egwene's hand and she grinned at him unsteadily. I'm shocked you've you drawn attention at this point. <laughs> bit of a Gwen being oh, a bit of a hero. Bloody hell, why is doing something good? <laughs> a Gwen being the hero. Um, yeah, it just it feels relevant. I don't know yeah, yeah. for what reason, but I mean, it just shows like she's competent, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, more competent than Perrin. Yeah, Perrin. At least in fumbling about. Yeah, I guess in. Um, in a, in a pinch, she's more competent because Perrin likes to think about shit, doesn't he? He does. He He's the thinker. thinker. And uh, I guess it just shows that going to be a bit more action-minded. Yeah, just minded. Shows, I mean, she's just capable, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He needs, needs to do and I'll do it. Because, um, like, so Perrin, before he'd even thought about getting the sling, he knew he was too late. Yeah. And Egwene was like, ping, got him. Yeah, got him. Um, yeah. So, again, I just want to sort of make sure we drill out on the fact that, like, how sort of connected Perrin is to the wolves here. Yeah, go on. I mean, there's just multiple times where, like, I've got one bit on the land here where it's uh, Perrin tasted feathers and the foul taste of fluttering yeah, ravens crushed the, alive. Yeah, the wolves all get attacked, don't they, yes. by the ravens. But they're a bit stronger than foxes. Yes. yes. It's just like that he can taste it. Like, it's... the Yeah, he can feel, feel the poon of ooze... The poon. The poon? <laughs> 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 He felt the pain of oozing gashes all over his body. Yeah. Uh, and knew with a despair that never touched him, giving up that all his effort was not enough. Um, yeah. So the, it's, it feels like this is like the most connected he's been. Isn't yeah, it? he's yeah. almost one with them, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and um, also, Egwene is starting to see this. Yeah. Um, and sort of Elias is letting him take the lead a bit as well, isn't it? Like. Uh, Perrin exchanged a glance of Elias. Uh, the man's eyes were expressionless, but he knew he said nothing. Just watched Perrin and waited all the while, maintaining that effortless lope. He's waiting for me to admit I feel the wolves. And yeah, because Perrin's been very dismissive of this, hasn't he? And it's like it's, it's blatantly obvious for everyone at this point. Yes, um, and Perrin tell, explains to Egwene that there's ravens behind him, and Egwene's like, "He was right. You can talk to them." Um, yeah. So ravens, I mean, we're pretty much done with ravens, I think, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, we could, we could spend forever going over each, like, you know, they went over this hill and then, but it's not going to turn No. Audio, you know? No. Um, I think we've um, we've sort of covered the wolfy powers as well, I think. Yes. So, we've got the old, you know, mercy killing of a Gwen. Yeah. Was... <laughs> I on. imagine this was your favourite part of the show. Hey, uh, it was for a time. <laughs> Until his abrupt decision not to. And I was like, right, okay. You were, you were starting to look good in my book, Perry. And you ruined it. All right, so why, so why don't we get into what this be? So, <laughs> next to this chapter, this uh, so this segment I've written, my guy! <laughs> it says, Elias was watching him again, saying nothing. Uh, Perrin looked at Egwene and blinked away hot tears. He touched his axe and wondered if he had the courage. In the last minutes, when the ravens descended them, when all hope was gone, would he have the courage to spare her the death the fox had died? Light making me strong. I was like, I was very excited. <laughs> I can imagine him like looming behind her with his big axe ready to like take her out. <laughs> so I suppose all jokes aside, if you can manage that. You think you manage that? Uh, no. So uh, what, do you, what do you think about this concept here? Like, 
Um, what, I suppose Perrin, he's taking something, like, no one's even suggested this out there. Like, it's, it's all in Perrin's head at this point, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, that he should, should do this. Yeah. Um, yes. It's all in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he, he, he has a sort of um, opinion of what, like, being noble is. Yeah. Um, and he thinks that that'll be killing the Gwen. <laughs> yeah. And tell, let me tell you, I would promote him <laughs> in an instant <laughs> if he would do such a thing. You just spot a raven in the distance and jump around. Like, Baron, kill it, Gwen, the ravens are coming. Quick. And he turned around, I was like, oh, sorry, mate, it was a sparrow. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> but, like, I suppose, like, what do you think of the, like, the sort of feeling? Is, is this... Is this, uh, I think it, it's a weird, weird thing to jump to. Yeah, it's, it's very out of the blue, isn't it? Yeah, just sort of no mention of it. Not, it's not even like, even if it had been sort of maybe uh, preempted with him sort of saying after he'd seen the fox die, like, oh, like I wouldn't like to die a death like that. Oh, like I want, I want that to happen to you or something. Yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, and it's just like no conversation or anything. He's like, well, I must kill a grin. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe get her input? Like, yeah, yeah, but he does think about it, doesn't he? He sort yeah. of says, like, well, it's going to be night in two hours, but the raven's about an hour behind us, yeah. or something to that effect. And he's like, do I tell her and let her live in fear, or do I let her live in some scant amount of hope and then just murder her? Um, yeah, I suppose, is it kinder to not tell her and just... Let her die. Yeah, just, like, swiftly do it as the end approaches. Yeah. Yes, my... It depends on how effective he is at killing people, I guess. <laughs> Doesn't it? Because he's not really had much. No, uh, <laughs> well, he just makes a hack job of it. He just chops her arm off. <laughs> she's like screaming in pain. Turns around, she's been betrayed by her like her only friend left. In and the then world. she gets pecked. And to then death. she gets pecked to death. Like <laughs> you know, if this was like Lana in this thought, I'd be like, oh yeah, he'd be effective. Yes. It? So it's probably the right call. But Perrin, you know, he's probably he'll, he'll probably have his like axe so far, like old enough over there for about ten minutes before he decides yeah. to go for it. She might turn around at any second and see what's happening. I suppose his, his intention's noble, isn't it? Like it, he just wants yeah, to, like he wants to save his friend from a like a painful death. I like, like I guess in comparison to like sort of ninety last time it was having like what we sort of discussed as like villainous thoughts. It's not a villainous thought. No. Thought it's coming from a good place, but it. You know, like out of context to a Gwen, it's yes. like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Perrin almost like moved up in my expert. In sort of, <laughs> yeah. uh, I can see you reading this, like sitting up in your chair. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. Go into great detail. <laughs> no, he's been relegated again, too. So. I guess we'll go into this, the setting. Yeah. Next, so. next sort of point. So, basically, right as he's deciding to kill someone, <laughs> Egwene, there's an, uh, abruptly a chill ran through him, one cold, clean tingle as if he had jumped into the wine spring water in midwinter. It rippled through him and seemed to carry away some of his fatigue, a little of the ache in his legs and the burning of his lungs. It left behind something. He could not say what, only he felt different. He stumbled to a halt and looked around, afraid. So this is them entering the steading, I believe. Yes. Um, so it seems to be like an invisible wall, doesn't it? Like a force field. Yes, you're in it, and then you're not. Like, yeah. You can literally step into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be sort of uh, uh, some level of magic in itself, since it's like 
relieved him of some of his fatigue and and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I suppose. So what is your understanding of a steading like from what's said over the next few paragraphs? Um, the orgies make them, and it is a safe place. Well, this is it. So it's a safe place that doesn't really have magic in. But like I say, it feels like it is in itself an element of magic because it's it, it rejuvenated them a bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt you straight away when you're like, oh, it's like the Orgia made it. But we do get a little line from Elias mm. where he says, uh, you, "Is it the? It's the steading makes the Orgia, yeah. not the Orgia make the steading." Yeah, yeah. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I didn't want to jump straight and be like, "Actually," but yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, it feels so. Yeah, the steading makes the Orgia. So yeah, so it's kind of magic then, to a degree. It's kind of like an anti-magic magic, isn't it? Yeah, I, can, I, can, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so. I suppose we're saying magic. Mm-hmm. We should be saying the one power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just that the one power won't work here. No, that's why Gwen feels like she's lost. So then it makes you wonder what. Ah, ah. Okay, that's why Gwen feels weird. So then, does Perrin feel weird because he hasn't got his wolfy powers? Well, I suppose that's that's, he that's, the, powers? that's the question. No, he still has his wolfy powers, doesn't he, in this bit? Right, so I suppose what does that suggest? That it's not the one power, but the wolfy powers aren't one power. Yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, Egwene feels yeah. like she's lost something. Yeah. But it doesn't say that about Perrin. No, it says he's relaxed. Yeah. Rejuvenated. Yeah, so I suppose from that, we can take that what whatever's happening with Perrin is not related to the one to power. The one yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's an important like sort of revelation at this point. Because I I mean I think I mentioned that he, like he has like I wasn't sure in what capacity his powers came from. I've mentioned that before, haven't I? Yes. So I guess it's still I'm still not sure in what capacity his powers come from. But, no, no. But it's eliminated one of the options. I just yes. I just don't know how many other possible options <laughs> yeah. there could be. Um, so yeah, I said I can't touch the true sauce here in a steading. They can't even feel the sauce. See, I've got that. See, I'm kicking myself a little bit because I've got that. It's strange. I feel as if I lost something underlined. Yeah. Mostly, I think I mostly just to highlight the fact that Egwene's felt a change, the same as Perrin has. Yeah. But I missed the point about it being the fact that she was connected to the to the one power. Yeah. But yeah, that's interesting. That you've intrigued me there. Yeah, it's, it's a nice little way of sort of differentiating, isn't it? Yes, and also within the steading, you have um, the fact that there's fewer weeds in the grass. Things seem to be growing a bit better. Um, there's also something about how the scars of... I can't find the exact line. The scars of like the outside world are, are still in here, but they're not as strong as they are elsewhere. Does that ring a bell? I, I, I can't find this specific bit coming about, but yeah, it's it's sort of a. Again, you, you mentioned blessed safety, didn't you? But um, Perrin says in the stories, the steading were always havens. Yes. Places to hide. So it seems like it's like a. Not like a paradise, but like a. 
like an oasis or like a yeah like a desert like a sort of again I don't want to say a place of safety yet again but a sanctuary almost yeah like a like a church <laughs> a church <laughs> I claim sanctuary but either way like either way there's nobody here now is there no no it's it's abandoned currently um I think I mentioned previously about um this is a side sort of no I've just sort of thought about mentioning but about a Rand's inner voice sounding like somebody talking to him and not like him talking to himself yeah last last sort of last time we were around you suggested that it was Bowsman in his head didn't you I think you get a little bit of that with Perrin in this chapter you know okay Um, but I don't know if it's just the audible version of it Okay. And the way the voice changes. Yeah, so it's sort of like um after he stuck his head in the pool. Yeah. After they reach the water and like Igwe was asking him something, he just sticks his head back under again. And it's like, oh no questions, not now, no explanations, not ever. Which that's his inner voice. Yeah. And then a small voice taunted him. But you would have done it, wouldn't you? Yeah, so <laughs> is, is that sort of reflection in an audiobook thing? Yeah. Like, they, they definitely put that in. Because again, I have not listened to the audiobook. Um, I don't know whether that inflection's on all of the inner voices, but then. But even like, even if without the voice uh, element. Yeah. He's got his thoughts, and then he's got like a fighting thought with it. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like his thought, and then. A small voice taunted him. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it's from him. Okay. But then, like, how many times have you had a thought? I mean, I've just did it, literally just did it myself, but I've had a thought and then changed my mind. Yes. Because of the voices has <laughs> jumped in, you know? So, um, I don't know, it's, it kind of feels similar. Yeah, like, I, I suggested to you last time, like, last time we ran it, it's like your sort of innermost voice is always the most critical of you. Mm. Yeah, and I guess it's just his doubt. I guess it's maybe just his doubt. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the question for you, isn't it? Like, yeah, is it? Is it his doubt? So it might be an audio, audio book thing that sort of puts more of a distinction in the inner voice, but... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still think it's worth a mention. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, so they're in the stead and they get to the water to sort of get away from the... Edges of the steading. Yeah, and Elias lets them have a proper fight, doesn't he? He does. Um, and whilst they're looking, well, whilst they're at the fire, sorry, Igwin looking around and she's like, that looks like an eye. Yeah. <laughs> Again, you've done the voice, but I'll let you on. I don't usually do it. That right? looks like an eye. Is that what that voice was? I thought it was nicer than that. Um, that's me, Igwin voice. I usually do a 9E voice to you be do. fair. You do. I think it's the first time I put a voice I think we're in. See, so yeah, there's a big rock that looks like an eye. Yes, and it is an eye, as it turns out. It is. Uh, at a Hawkwing's eye, the eye of the High King himself, this is what his power and glory, glory came to in the end. Yeah, so that was the next big point of this chapter is we get some uh, Arthur Hawkwing history, don't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, for what purpose, I don't know. <laughs> but we get some... <laughs> Get some history. Because it's a nice story. So, um... He's a bit of a big deal, wasn't he? Yeah, after, um, Payne dragged Tanrail 
Arthur Hawking, the High King, united all the lands from the Great Blight to the Sea of Storms, from the Arctic Ocean to the Aeol Waste, and even some beyond the waste. So, just like, just to pull you on that, like, there's four places, does that make sense to you? Well, I'm assuming, sort of north, south, west, east. <laughs> yes, it's, it's like, it's a, if you look, if you've got your map. Yeah, I'm getting it now. Right, see, I know that I, I've, looking before, I know that. So, it's the from the Great Aeol Blight waste to the Sea of Storms. Sea of Storms. The blights are north, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I can't see the blight like, but there's the mountains of doom up here. So yeah, so the great, the great blights are north, and then the sea of storms to the south. The Isles of the Sea Fork. Did you say the sea of storms down? Oh yeah, it does. Found yeah. It. yeah. And then we've got the Arith Ocean to the Isle West. Ocean. And we know the spine the, of the world. Yeah, we know that Isle West is over the spine. Yes. Yeah. 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 So this is just a basically a way of saying. Not southeast. This continent. Like, oh, this, yes, this, I found this. the blight as well now. Yeah. Um, yes, agreed. So yeah, it's basically saying he, he had all he of it. Controlled all of yeah. the land. Um, nice little land. So we got, um, yes, yeah, so we got North Saudi and then even some beyond the waste, and he even sent armies to the other side of the Arith Ocean. Mm. Some, uh, the stories say he ruled the whole world. But what he really did rule was enough for any man outside of the story. And he brought peace and justice to the land. So he seemed like quite a good good lad. Yeah, yeah, good guy, right? Um, but yeah, so he, he brought peace and justice that he did it with fire and sword. Oh, he wasn't a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> a child could ride alone with a bag of gold from the Arith Ocean to the spine of the world and never have a moment's fear. But the High King's justice was as hard as that rock there for anyone who challenged his power. <laughs> I like that line, but I'm like, did they ever test that? <laughs> send a kid yeah, yeah, just give a kid a, a big bag of gold and like send him across. I like to, I like to think they did, but never mind. <laughs> um, anyone who challenged his power, even if it was just by being who they were, or by people thinking they were a challenge. The common folk had peace and justice in full bellies, but he laid a 20-year siege to Tarvalon and put a price of a thousand gold crowns on the head of every eye to die. I genuinely thought he was a pretty good guy, you know. All right. <laughs> now you've sort of said, as soon as you said, oh, so he's not that good. And then I'm, re- no, I'm, I'm rereading that's, and I'm like, that's not me hmm. saying he wasn't. I'm just saying when it says he did it with fire and sword. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah but that was a bit where I'm like, oh. And then you read it and it's like, <laughs> Uh, and then, but then you read this bit where it says, "Is just as hard as that rock there for anyone who challenges power." I guess fair enough if you're in power, but even if it was just by being who they were, so just for existing. <laughs> yeah, it's very dictatory, isn't it? Uh, or by people thinking they were a challenge, but so they don't even have to have done anything. No, just have to think. But well, I could do a better job than him. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be like, "Right, fuck you, kill you." Yeah. Oh bloody hell! <laughs> They're all after me again. <laughs> so it seems like the common folk loved him, mm-hmm. but it was very much uh, maybe the, the 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 higher classes that were at yes. risk. The power, the power wielders, and specifically, I guess, uh, Tarvalon and the Aes Sedai. Yeah, he's not a fan of them, is he? No. A thousand gold crowns on the head of every Aes Sedai. Um, and Elias says that he was a fool because he hated the Aes Sedai so much that he wouldn't. He could have turned to them to heal him instead yeah. of dying. Um, but he just died instead. Yeah, he was like while he needed if and I said I could have saved him, but he was busy sieging Tavalon. Yeah. He's like, hey, hey <laughs> He hated I said I as much as he hated the magic shit you do uh bought healing people. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're like, Oh, okay then. 
Um, well, that's, I, mean, I think that's mostly, isn't it, for him? He uh, he died. Apart from so uh, people fighting over his. Yeah, so again, this this eye is part of a statue, wasn't it? Yeah, it was built for him, and it was basically because he was trying to make a capital city. Yes, he wanted it, he wanted it free of sort of existing loyalties. Yeah, yeah, and they built the statue, and then that was as far as it got. <laughs> it feels like they did the last step first. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I was when well, the first couple of times I read this, I was like, right, so where are the rest of the building? <laughs> You'd start with the building, surely, yeah, surely. Then build the statue. It's a bit like, um, is it lost? Where they just suddenly find, like, they go around the island and there's just, like, a giant foot made of stone. <laughs> yeah. Kind of feels like this is what you'd be rocking up to. Maybe build some houses first. You get some people living in your capital city. Yeah. It's not a capital city, otherwise, it's just. It's just a statue, yeah. Just, just a national trust <laughs> <laughs> thing to look at. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for him, though, isn't it? He, like I say, he dies, his, his family fight over him, the statue gets toppled. The statue stood alone in the midst of these hills. The sons and the nephews and the cousins died, and the last of Hawkwing's blood vanished from the earth, except maybe for some of those who went over the Irith Ocean. And it basically just says that like his existing relatives sort of fought over his sort of empire. Yep. Until, and then they sort of tore the statue down, didn't they? Yeah. Not it, really. Um. They couldn't stand measuring themselves against it any longer. Just had a thought. It's probably. I've got nothing to say for it, <laughs> but I've had a thought. The fact that there's this big eye there, and the, the book called The Eye of the World. And it might just be, I feel like eyes get mentioned quite a lot. Okay. To be fair, so it, it's probably just like maybe a running theme, but like, um, apparently his eye pecked out in a dream. There's a big eye watching them here. Yeah, yeah. The book's called The Eye of the World. Um, I don't know, I just. It's probably just the theme that's running through it, as opposed to anything like major signposting anything that's coming. If that makes sense, but um, yeah, a lot of mention of eyes, I think. Yeah, interesting that you've you've, you've pulled out. Yeah. yeah. Just... Yeah, like specifically, like as well. Just, I just imagine if I was sat somewhere and there's like a fallen statue, would I be like, "Well, that looks like an eye." I don't know. I, I think I'd be like, well, that looks like a hand. Like, it's yeah. something more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and eyes like, round. <laughs> or, yeah. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Kind of what you would expect a stone to look like. Yeah. So, yeah, but it feels like maybe it's deliberate from sort of Robert Jordan's point of view to, like, Hammer Hobie's, like, theme of yeah, yeah. eyes. I can definitely see it, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for this chapter. Yeah, good stuff. Um, chapter symbol for the next one? Yeah, what is it? It's a big old sun. Big old sun. Big old sun. And a tail. Uh, children of Shadow. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell! <laughs> what are you thinking from that then? Uh, so, previously seen in chapter 15, Strangers and Enemies, which is the introduction of the White Cloaks. Yeah. Uh, who's. Also uh, known as. The Children of Light. Yeah, but what about this title? It's a children's it's shadow. A shadow. <laughs> the world upside down. It's blowing my fucking mind. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the children light will rock up, but that's really all I've got for you. Sounds um, good. Decent prediction. Solid. Solid. That's it. Bye. Bye. So we're getting into chapter 30, Children of Shadow. Can we get a summary, Chris? Yes. Perrin and Elias... 
discuss the almost murder of Egwene and then both receive wolfy news. This leads them to run and hide from a new threat which eventually catches up with Perrin and Egwene. The two become prisoners due to Perrin's actions and meet a new mysterious man. Yeah, very succinct. Yeah. So, so where do we start? Let's, well, start, start at the beginning. Yeah. I've said this before. <laughs> um, so, Perrin takes his axe from the loop on his belt and turns it over in his hands and he's sort of contemplating it, isn't he? Yeah, he's thinking about how much he hates it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, I guess it's a bit of a, a contrast here because Perrin's thinking about how much he hates the axe. And as he's thinking that, Elias walks up and says, You hate her that much? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and Perrin's startled. He's like, can, can you read my mind too, like the wolves? Well, yeah, um, we were saying before, wasn't we? Oh, Perrin didn't mention this. He didn't say anything about it. So the fact that Elias like, knows, knows it. Yeah. yeah. Um, is odd. Yeah, he's like, Can you read my mind? I mean, and I feel like Elias can read his mind, but he never answers it clearly, does he? I remember you, you were saying that, like, Perrin could feel what the wolves were saying to Elias and not necessarily the other way. Yeah, like, or are they reacting to what Elias has told them? Yeah, so... so they're listening to, to what the wolves are, are saying, and the wolves are like, right, now we need to head south because Yeah, so, so do you think Elias can sort of see Perrin's thoughts in a way? Or? I think, well, I think, um, I think Elias is probably stronger in his usage of the wolf power than Perrin is so sense the reason that he can do more with it yeah that would make sense um, more proficient but either way he says a blind man could read your face boy yeah <laughs> which is you know feels like yes I can read your man but I'm not going to tell you that <laughs> um, so they say speak of do you hate the girl despise her that's it you're ready to kill her because you despise her I was dragging her feet holding you back with her womanish ways <laughs> is he talking about you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wrote this bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Perrin defends it, where he says, he never dragged her feet in her life. It always does her share. I don't despise her. I love her. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit, Ooh, a bit left field, isn't it? He, he, he says, uh, not then, like that. I mean, she isn't like a sister, but she and Rand. So it's like... I, I mean, he loves her. So so what do you think this means? He absolutely loves her. Loves her how? Like a lover. Like a lover. He like likes. <laughs> he like likes. All right. Okay. Absolutely. He he doesn't love her like a sister, but he's scared because he he likes Egwene, but Rand's got there first, mm, and he doesn't okay. want to mess his friendship up with Rand. So you think there's sort of a, a connection there, for, at least for him? I think yeah. I think, I think he like likes her. Mm, he like likes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Which I guess maybe goes more to explain why he just. Decided to kill her. <laughs> the, last cha- the last chapter, if, he, if he's thinking about, you know, if, if he's sort of. Well, it's, uh, that's quite an interesting line, isn't it? Where Elias says, like, that's the way he chooses, but then Perrin says he doesn't have any right to choose for her. Yeah. That's quite an interesting line. Yeah. I mean, I guess he doesn't have any right to choose for no. her. But, but it wasn't like. It wasn't. It wasn't a time to ask questions. No. It was a time of action. It wasn't yeah, like, yeah. oh, by the way, Gwen, we're, we're, we're <laughs> facing almost certain death. Would you rather have me pecked to death by ravens, or should I just kill you now with this axe? <laughs> yeah, I think I think, ob- I think objectively, everyone would choose that, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's feeling a lot of guilt over it. He's feeling a lot of guilt over a thing that only happened in his head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And over something that she probably would prefer. Yeah. I don't think she'd necessarily want it. <laughs> I think it's interesting as well that like he's got such again, going back to the axe, 
he keeps going about he hates it and blah 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 but literally a, like a chapter or so ago he was like proudly displaying it yeah in the Tuatang yeah, yeah in the troubling people so it's, it's it, there's a lot of sort of inner conflict here isn't there yeah and also yeah, he's had a lot of things with the axe and also when he was in the river he was like tied between throwing it away and keeping all of it yeah outside should have got, should have got yeah um, which is a bit you know, yeah, the accidents caused him a lot of um, trouble, I think. I think it's sort of a, almost like a, a tool to describe his nature, isn't it? Mm. Like it's not necessarily the axe as an object, but no. like, it's like Perrin's inner feelings, like, is he a violent person? And the axe is just like a way of describing it. A tool of violence. A tool of violence. <laughs> You're looking at me with that fucking grin on your face, right? I knew you were dying to say a tool of violence and talk about your penis again. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Not coming>. me. <laughs> I'm trying to make a proper point, and you're just fucking over there with a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I had a right grin on. I was like. The listeners can't see the fucking face you were giving me. I was, yeah. I was like, you can't just you can't just say it. It just gives the game away. But then you you led me straight into it. I'm just never allowed to say two ever again. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. All right. But yeah. Go ahead, you throw me off. You can, you can go to the next bit. Um. Yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> we've got a good quote coming up, haven't we? I love this quote. Yeah. Um. Go on. So Perrin's about to throw the axe away, isn't he? And Elias catches his wrist and he says... Um, you'll use it? Is that him? Yeah, that's the one. You'll use it, boy, and as long as you hate using it, you'll use it more wisely than most men would. Wait, if ever you don't hate it any longer, then will be the time to throw it as far, far as you can and run the other way. I think that's a really great quote, isn't it? Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, he's saying, like, you're supposed to hate it. Yeah, that's, as that's soon the, as you like killing. Yes, that's the correct reaction to have. It doesn't yeah. mean it's not necessary, but you you should hit it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that's him. That's him in his axe chat. Yes, that, that that I just love that quote. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And then parents sort of do sort of things here, but what about by the time I love it, I'm not ready to. Yes, I'm not able to then throw it away. What about yes. then? Like, I suppose that's that's the danger, isn't it? If you like it too much, then it's too late to to give it away. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the danger. If you ever, yeah, I mean, I guess the hope is that you never enjoy it. Yes, that's that's the hope, isn't it? But I mean, I think it's very interesting. That this comes just after all the way the leaf stuff. Yeah, we've got these. It's Perry is so conflicted with the, this the whole sort of question of violence. I think it. I think it's just really interesting. But before we can discuss that any further... Um, they get a little wolfy telegram in the middle. <laughs> a wolfy telegram, yeah. <laughs> it's, did we get, have we had this before where their eyes glaze over? Um, not so sure. No, I don't think so. Not in this respect. It just says that it's so urgent that his eyes glazed over. So it seems like there's like an intensity yeah. to the wolf sending. So like... Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but they both get the message, don't yeah. they? I'm going to tell you what the message is, but uh, Elias just runs immediately after and shouts at Egwene to douse the, douse the fire. Yeah. Um, 
And she doesn't really know what's happening. <laughs> no, I feel like I feel like the few chapters of Gwen has just got no idea what's going on at any point. Or she, bless her. I mean, I can't like honestly. If I was just sat on my own by a fire, <laughs> somebody just starts running over and shouting at me. I'd be like, I'd be. I, I mean, I don't want to defend her too much, but I'd be the same. Like, what? Yeah, you, you've, got, you've got these two people who have like constantly have more information than you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like well. Like, I'll, like she starts making a movement, but she's too slow. It's like, yeah, like I'd be like, well, I can't, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll start. Doing yeah, that, what's but, going on? But what's going on? Like, yeah. why am I doing it? Like, I don't really understand. So, but she's like, what is it? Trollocs the fade. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they start to douse the fire, and uh, Eli says that there's no chance to hide that somebody was there. And this is maybe an interesting line with regards to like Elias's instinct. Yeah. He says, we'll just have to hurry and hope. Maybe they won't bother. Blood and ashes, but I was sure it was the ravens. So I got the impression from him. So I, I assume he's talking about what his funny feeling. Yes. But I got the impression from him in the last parent chapter that he, that he wasn't sure it was the ravens. Yeah, I suppose it was... It was uh... At the time, he was like, is this it? And then we had this sort of brief period of respite, didn't we? And he yeah. was like, ah, it's over. It must have been yeah. that. Right, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it turns out it wasn't the Ravens yeah. that were really the threat. Um, so what's the production? People. Oh, there are a lot of men coming on horses. Yes. And so Elias sends him off to hide, doesn't he, basically? Yeah. As he goes hunting... Uh, a lot of men come horses, they came up behind the wolves, but the men didn't see them. They're heading towards the pool, probably they don't have anything to do with us, it's the only water for miles. But Dapple says... What does he say? Dapple says they smell wrong. They smell wrong. It's sort of the way a rabid dog smells wrong. Yeah. And I mean, we, we know it's the White Clocks. Yes. I kind of, you know, I guess that kind of suits... I kind of... Get with that. I don't know what their crack is, 100%, but they're like religious zealots. Yeah. So I kind of get that they are like rabid, like, <laughs> it, it makes sense to me that these religious zealots would be described in this way. Yeah, it's too, like, rabid and zealous are two different things, but they can yield similar results. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Plus, like, they smell wrong, like, I don't know, it's like, they think they're doing good, but doing it in a bad way yeah so like it, it, you know, it just it does without knowing anything else about them it kind of describes them yeah attracts them yeah. yeah like I mean there might be something else going on like they're possessed or something I don't know but it, it kind of just works as is do yeah. you feel like their souls have been corrupted with their religious zealotry yeah um and Gwen has a bit of a boys in shit dialogue off moment, I think. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, why should they bother us? We're supposed to be safe here. It's supposed to be safe. <laughs> like, like, there has to be someplace safe. <laughs> You've done the voice again. <laughs> oh, bloody hell, is there nowhere that's safe? We're reading the stories to my little boy. That's where I've got these skills from. Uh, skills is the best. <laughs> so, yeah, they decide to hide, don't they? They decide to hide, yes. They'll shelter in Arta Hawkwing's hand. Yeah, it's very sort of like, what, metaphorical, like, sheltering somebody's hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
safety. Yeah. Um, and then it's sort of there for a bit. There's but... a quite interesting bit there, isn't there, where Egwene asks how he can see anything. Because yeah. it's getting dark, isn't it? And Egwene mm. can't see. <laughs> but we get that Perrin can. Yeah. Is that because of his wolf eyes? I don't know. But I'm just... <laughs> I really, I, see, you have, to, you have to tell me more about that because I haven't got that underlined. Yeah, we get that Perrin's sort of guiding them and then Egwene asks how he can see anything. Because it is dark now. Mm. Oh, yes. So it's but Perrin says it seemed like the deep purple fringes of twilight to him, even though it's it's pitch black. Oh. And he lies to Egwene and says that he felt the rock. Oh right, I hadn't spotted that. But yeah, I guess the wolves are wolves are nocturnal, aren't they? Well, not so much nocturnal, but they've just got I suppose better vision than us, maybe. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, because uh, yellow eyes is it? Elias has. Yes, Elias has the yellow eyes. Yeah. That's good for low light vision. I know this from some talk I went to about owls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either way, his parents can see better than a grain can put it that way. Yeah. Um, I think the, 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 the men start shouting. So we get, I suppose this is another part of Perrin accepting his powers almost. Oh, yes. He starts describing what's going on to a grain, doesn't he? Yeah. Through the walls. Why they're being chased? Is it specifically? This not chased, but like why? Why the men, the new men, are on guard for something? Yes. The men saw wind. Yes. And they have torches, and they're breaking up into parties to search. Uh, so many of them, and the wolves are all hurt. That's from the ravens, isn't it? The wolves yeah. are all fine. Yeah, they're, st- they're still a bit beat up from the ravens. Um, but the wolves expect us to be able to stay out of their way. Um. And they'll give up soon enough and make camp. But then, um, so then there's another inner thought here, I guess. So I'll tie this in with the last chapter where, and I don't know whose inner thought it is. This might be Elias's actually. We're discussing whether Perrin can read Elias's mind. Yeah. Uh, he says Elias was with the wolves and would not leave them while they were hunted, which is sort of, you could get that from either the wolves or Elias, I guess. Yeah. But then in the sort of inner voicey thing, it says, so many riders, so persistent. Why so persistent? And Perry doesn't have that information about the riders. No. Um, so maybe he's reading Elias's mind there. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Because I don't think the wolves are, like, the wolves haven't really been aware of the threats so far. They've just been aware that Elias is concerned about something. Yeah. So that feels more like in the, the man in charge than the followers, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And then Egwene tries to comfort Perrin. Yeah. Um, And then Perrin, no, sorry, Egwene asks Perrin if she will dance with him at Sunday. If they're home by then. Yeah, it's quite a a sweet moment, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Through gritted teeth, he says yes. (laughs) Is Egwene trying to comfort him? Yeah. Um, do, Do you think she fancies Perrin? See, I don't think it's that. I think it's just a, like it's a something to look forward to. Like we'll get out of this. Uh, yeah, I think All it's a very sort lost. of yeah. It's like a like again. Are we are we about to die? Almost like is this? But is this let's it? not worry about dying because yes. we're gonna go home and dance on the Sunday. Yeah, let's let's take our mind off it right at the end. All right, then fair enough. I was because I was hopeful for Perrin having what he wanted. To be fair. But no, nah, she's just doing it because they're almost dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you read an hour you want, can't you? I mean. It's not um, to say no, but... So he promises to dance with her. Yeah. Um, 
Against his will, his hands tightened on the axe. Mm. I just, I just draw attention to that because we've had a lot of axe talk this uh, chapter. This mm-hmm. chapter, um, and then basically, the men get near them. They don't know what to do. They sort of closing in on there slowly. Yeah, and then Gr- uh, groups of men with torches. The decision was taken away from Perrin. Yeah. Um, just start shouting up the. Well, then this is when they realise it's the white cloaks and the children of the light that's there. Yes. Um, one of them spots that there's something up there. They spot the horse, don't they? They spot Bella. Yes, they do, yes. Um, and the parents are aware that if they run, that's it. Like Basically, they'll be caught immediately. Like, yeah, this, the, running essentially, they've got no chance. So they, t- they take the, the hiding option, don't they? But that doesn't work out very well. No. So he decides to reveal himself. We also get that the wolves are uh, actively killing people. Yeah. At this point, yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Another distant bubbling scream marked the white clock who had hunted Dapple too closely. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not, they're not just running distraction, they're actively murdering yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Need to. <laughs> Need to. But, um, as he sort of heads down, this, I think this is his thought, but it sort of ties in with what I thought was Elias's thought before. He says, why are the white clocks so persistent? As if they hate wolves of a passion, and why do they smell wrong? Um, and he almost thought he could smell the wrongness himself. Um, yeah, that smell talk, isn't it? Yeah, that was, yeah. The, yeah, the rabid, is it the, yeah, it was rabies, was it? Yeah, he said the it smelled like rabid dog. Yeah. Um, and, but also the the fact like that like was it Elias said about them being persistent. Yeah. Why? Uh, and you know that is a question like why are these white folks here? What are they looking for? I, I mean, I don't mean. I think we get the answer later, though. I don't mean specifically in the steading. Right. I mean, why are they? What are they even doing in this area of the world? I guess. Yeah. Well, I think we get that later on, don't we? In this chapter. Alright, okay, I'll take you. I think so they were they're going to Camelin. Yeah. We get that later on, don't we? Oh but, yeah. And this is just essentially the closest war. So but why are they going to Camelin? Right, yeah. I don't think we know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we get that yeah, so, they're heading to Camelin, but yes. what are they looking for? Yeah, we don't know this what they're sort of why they're motive. going there. Yeah. Yeah. Um I like I've got this bit underlined just because I think it's funny when they get told to drop the axe and then there's one guy go drop it bumpkin <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's funny in his, in his farmer get up yeah. <laughs> I can imagine he literally got like straw in his hair just, and... <laughs> like, I feel like everybody in this universe hates farmers <laughs> yeah like, but it's, I don't want to say it's like the lowest rung because it's obviously not but like yeah but everyone's just like really biased against them, yeah, like, it's like, called the bumpkins or um, We've had that a few times, she haven't we? Was it sheep herder? Yeah. <laughs> We've had that a few times where Peter, like, Tom's always laughing at people for being like, uh, you've never been out of your farm and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and Perrin shouts out, no, but it was not at the horseman. Yeah, so who's he shouting at? Shouting at Hopper. Yeah. Who has, um, who is the cub who had watched the eagles soar and wanted to. So badly to fly through the sky as the eagles did, the cubby hopped and jumped and leaped until they could leap higher than any other wolf. They never lost the cub's yearning to soar through the sky. Um, and yeah, basically just attacked a bunch of white claws, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Hopper's jaws closed on the throat of the man with his lance levelled at Perrin, and the big wolf's momentum carried them both off the other side of the horse. 
And Perrin felt the throat crushing and tasted the blood. Yeah, so it's like, again, a very strong connection here, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, Hopper's been injured by the ravens, hasn't he? A gash yeah. down his face across the empty socket where his left eye had been, another eye reference. Yeah. Um, and his good eye met Perrin's two for just an instant. Run, brother. And he whirled his saw one last time and Lance pinned him to the earth. A second length of steel thrust through his ribs, driving into the ground under him, kicking. He snapped at the shafts that held him to saw. I'm just wondering quite sad at this Man, that is pretty emotional for me. You not think? I tell you, it wasn't for me the first time. But the more I read it, the more emotional I get. And I tell you what makes me most emotional, the line specifically, saying about how he wants to saw and fly yeah. and all this. And then the way he dies is that a lance pinned him to the earth. Yeah, it's, it's very... The opposite of what he wants yeah, to do. It's, it's, I'm trying to struggle to think of the word, but it's very... I can't think of the word. But it, it's, yeah, it's pinning him to the earth. And it's like, this is the opposite of what I like. Yeah. <laughs> Please let me fly again. Yeah, he wants to fly and he's been pinned down. Yeah, that that is quite a sort of, um, like a poetic... Yes. Um, irony, if yeah. you like. And also, I, I, it's the run brother that gets me. Mm. Like, again, they, they've they've not known Perry for long, have they? No. And they've sort of latched on so fiercely already. Yeah, that he's there to help him. Yeah. He sees a threat for him and he's trying to help him. Yeah. He's, he's given his life to do so. Yeah, essentially, he's given his life, yeah. I guess tell you what it reminds me of a little bit. You've seen The Green Mile. I have, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the bit at the end where John Coffey's about... Like, spoilers for The Green Mile, by the way. It's <laughs> for a 25-year film or whatever, yeah. the, the, When John Coffey's about to hit the electric chair and he, like... He's about literally about to die at the hand of Tom Hanks and he goes to, like, Tom Hanks and he's like... Thanks, boss. Like shakes his hand. Uh, it gets me blubbing every time. Yeah, that, yeah. Because it's like, just like a niceness. Yeah, like someone who knows they're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And still being able to be like valiant, I guess. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, nice. Being, being yeah, able to be like, like you know, to be like selfless in such a sort of yeah. selfish moment, if you like. And again, sort of looking behind the curtain. Yeah. I think you've. Have you read this or listened to it twice or something? A couple of times, yeah. Yeah, you came with me, didn't you? And you were like, oh, this is an all right yeah. chapter. And I was like, I was like, did this not get you? Like, no, and no. then you were like, nah, not really. And then I feel like, I feel like I've, after you've listened to it again, you start getting it all. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely... It's definitely an, an emotion. Yeah, definitely. Emotional element to it, yeah. It's... it's More than I gave it credit for. The they're not just listening. wolves at this point, if that makes sense. Like parent has this connection with them mm-hmm. and I think we see that like directly after the death aren't we yeah I, I guess yeah parent who is the slow methodical logical thinker what does he do next but for, for a reader to be sad about it yeah you have to it'd have to be a more established character does that make sense uh, I've got the, had the benefit of listening to it and like listening to it a couple of times and then also reading it and I'm like yeah no I can see this um this uh, why this is like like I said like a poetic irony and it's quite sad. It's yeah, it's like a, it's like a self sacrifice, isn't it? It's a, well, Hopper only got introduced like four chapters ago, and now he's dead. So yeah, do, like, do you know what I mean? of like a I don't mean it's emotional in sort of like a loss of a beloved character. Yeah, more just sort of like the gesture. Like yeah, it's it's like a like you said sacrificing himself to save Perrin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it, you get that again. It's about like establishing your character. Yeah. And because the character's barely... I know, it's a wolf, but you can read minds. But 
establishing that character more would make that a more immediately an emotional yeah. Yeah. gut punch than it is as it stands. Plus, it's just animals dying for me. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I, you yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not a big fan. I'm not a fan of, of dead animals. Of animals dying. Wait, me on the around, love them. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> but yeah, so we again. I think it's important. It's like we get parents the sort of logical, slow thinker, and then that's what his reaction to this. Yeah, it's quite immediate, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. He um, without thinking, he leaped forward, still screaming. All thought was gone. The horseman had bunched too much to be able to use their lances, and the axe was a feather in his hands. One huge wolf's tooth of steel. Something crashed into his head, and as he fell, he didn't know if it was Hopper or himself who died. See, he he, he goes full on berserker, doesn't he? He, yeah. loses, he loses all thought. He's swinging the axe about like it's a feather. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note how it affects him. For all his, yeah, it's quite the opposite of um, how he's been portrayed. Yeah, even even in this chapter, he's mm-hmm. how much he hates the axe and that sort of conflict of violence. But the death of this wolf, even though he's adamant that he's going to sort of shut these wolves out. How he reacts here. Yeah, he's still how he connected, reacts, right? yes. he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then he wakes up mumbling, doesn't he? Yeah, so we get a little bit of a break, and then he wakes up. Yeah, so, oh yeah, so I, if, if you look back a little bit, I guess, just as a sort of side note, like sort of Hopper's last words are to saw. Yeah. And, um, then sort of Perrin's first words on working up a saw like the eagles. So it's just sort of finished his sentence for him, which is quite yeah. nice, I guess. Again, um, just highlighting that connection, isn't it? Yeah. And they're in a tent with a man watching them. And um, I think Egwene immediately says Perrin's name on yeah. waking up, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no secrets again. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Perrin. <laughs> uh, in fact, I like Perrin. Um, <laughs> And he sort of recognised all the contents of his pockets on the table. Yep. So um, they're, both, they're both tied up, aren't they? They are. Uh, hand and foot. Um, and he's, he sort of thinks to himself, what do they think we are? Because um, he's still not really fully aware of what's happened, I think. <laughs> no, I think his, uh, his last actions are a bit fuzzy still, aren't they? Mm. And then a weird guy walks in. A weird guy? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, so we get introduced to two people here, don't we? We've got my lord captain, yeah, and child buyer, yeah. Which, by the way, not reading it is much better than listening to it for the first time. Okay. Because honestly, I thought it was some kind of like paedophile sex ring. <laughs> well, a, a literal child. A, no, a literal child buyer. He <laughs> buys children. <laughs> a child buyer. <laughs> well, being your ears, child buyer. I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, that was like his title. Like, yeah, what's happened to you? Like, yeah, um, like, chief like, child buyer. Like, uh, chitty chitty bang bang. The, the, yeah. the child catcher. Yeah. Like, he's like a child buyer. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, like, it makes more sense when you read it. But when, yeah. you, when you listen to it, I'm like, is she saying child buyer all the time? Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah, we've got the Lord Captain and the child buyer. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, I we, we, we get his name a little bit later so we can. We can give the Lord Captain's name, can't we? Yeah, he's Bornhold. Jeffrey Bornhold, Jeffrey, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll get into that a bit later as well. well yes. We'll get into it now, but he's... Well, yeah, so we got another Bornhold, haven't we? 
We've met him already. Yeah. Have we not? No. Not met Ben. Not met Ben Barnhold. We, well, we've we've met A Barnhold. But not not. But he was described as a younger man. No, I mean, I mean, sorry. Barnhold mentions he has a son. Yes. Yeah. And I thought you. I thought met you were, his son already. I thought you were under the impression that we'd met. No, this no, not this guy. guy. Right. Not this guy. We met his son already. We met his son. Yeah. Um. Yes. Um. Who ran meets, I believe. Well, I think they all yes, meet. Yes, they all meet. They all But, but yeah. ran meets him originally, which yeah. causes them issues. Yes. Which causes them all issues yes. later on. Um, and they, basically, Barnald is after a update from Child Buyer yep. about the attacks, basically, I think. The, the, the losses and the gains. Yeah, yeah. Um, which put me, sort of positions them more as like an army than it does as a, like a religious organisation. Yeah, so I, I suppose again, how do you see the children like this point? How do you see the white coats? Like, what what are they? Are they an army? Are they just a small group? Are they? Uh... Um, no, yeah, probably an army. To be fair, probably like um, if they've got a lord captain. Yeah, they've got yeah. a ranking system, haven't they? I mean, it could be lord captain and then everybody else underneath. <laughs> <laughs> everybody else at the same level. I guess it could be that. Yeah. Um, like a cult, but um, no, nah, they feel too organised. If they look talking about gains and losses and all the rest of it, it feels like so you I, don't need to keep a record of that sort of stuff unless you have a lot of it. Yeah, I don't know about you, but this this whole exchange feels very militaristic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like a rapport and it's very formal. And yeah, like, like despite sort of being introduced as like a religious group, they're not really that bothered with the religion side of it, it feels like it's like the, the soldier inside. Yes. Um, yeah, and just like I say, you wouldn't need, if you if you had like, if you were like a small cult and you were like Lord Captain of 10 people, wouldn't need a report of who died at a dinner because no. you could look look around your campfire yeah. and be like, well, John's not here anymore. <laughs> Jeff got his, wall, his throat torn out by That's some Three wolves. dead, we've lost half our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it feels like they're quite sizable. Um, and... You know, Child Bayer hasn't really got good news for him. No. Um, he's skinned a wolf, and that's about it, really. We've <laughs> had quite a few losses, and the gains were a skinned wolf. Yeah, the losses, we've got nine men dead. Yeah. 23 injured, seven seriously. 30 horses been put down because they were hamstrung. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Uh, and they've... Uh, what's he got to show for it? One wolf skin. And they can't even um, sort of work out how many people were against him. I think because there's talk about yeah. So what does Bayer think? So yeah, so I think Barnall asks him for like an idea of what what's happened, and <laughs> Bayer fucking madly overestimates. I would yeah. estimate the pack that attacked us at fifty beasts or more, my lord captain. Of that, we killed at least twenty, perhaps thirty. I do not consider it worth the risk of losing more horses to have the carcasses brought in tonight. In the morning, I'll have them gathered and burned. Those who aren't dragged, those that aren't dragged off in the dark. Besides these two, there are at least a dozen other men. I believe we disposed of four or five, but it is unlikely we'll find anybody's given the dark friend's propensity for carrying away their dead to hide their losses. This seems to have been a coordinated ambush, but that raises the question of... Um, and they stop speaking there. Well, we stop... Parents stop speaking yeah, there. Yeah, parents stop speaking there, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably more accurate. Um, and... So, yeah, that's like a massive overestimation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, massive. I mean, Bonald tells him as such. To yeah, be I suppose the question here is: Do you think 
by as being... Do you think he's sort of... Do we, do we think he's an idiot, or do we think he's trying to... Uh, sugar the pill a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's also, like, peppered this language with, like, well, we've killed loads of them, but yeah. it's whether the bodies will still be yeah, they'll there. drag them off in the night. You we know, have dark friends' yeah. propensity to take the bodies with them. I'll, I'll collect the rest of the bodies of the people we killed in the morning, but I'm not doing it now, but this is where I think we're at. So. Yeah, so what's your feeling here? Do you think he actively uh, believes this? Originally, thing? I thought he was an idiot, and now I think he... Um, He's trying to frame the situation in as good a light as possible. That's interesting because, like, okay, on my my reading is that like he's so zealous. Mm. I don't think he's got it in to lie. Do you think? No, but I don't think you'll see it as lying. I think you'll see it as like um, stretching the truth. Is that what you do in the light? Well. <laughs> I think he's so zealous. We get a little. I know what he's saying, but we get a little point later on um, with regards to like uh, hoarding prisoners' materials, not materials. Um, well, yeah, material properties, if you like. Um, that some children are like do do that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. But it's definitely interesting. I, I, mean, I don't think def- you get an answer. I don't know. I don't know how zealous he is. I, I, he's definitely like a miserable bastard. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I don't know. I don't know how, how that translates into like seeing him, ha- seeing how zealous he is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you read it, but again, it's it's one of those where you can read it both ways, isn't it? It's yeah. But first, I thought he was an idiot. I, I don't think he's as much of an idiot. Okay. As all of that describes him to be, I think he's sort of. I think there's maybe a little bit of like uh, self. Preservation, in it. yeah. Like oh, I've got to go tell this bad news, but I got to say, I've got, I have to say how many people we've yeah. lost. How can I soften that blow? Well, we've lost twelve, but there was fifty of them. I also think there's an element of like we have these losses, and I think maybe buyer is like under the impression that like the children are such a like are such a force mm. that like to have lost this many men, there must there be. must have been yeah. this many. Do you know what I mean? So. Maybe they don't have not lying, but like they you would have had po- to be. possibly understand yeah. how yeah. how like uh, s- sort of six wolves and two three humans yeah, could so have done such a thing. That's uh, like a force as 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 effective as the children. How could we have lost this many men to a force smaller than this? That's mm-hmm. a, that's all that element. Uh, but Bonald soon corrects him. Yeah, someone who is not an idiot says uh, such held by it is your considered estimate that we were attacked in a planned ambush by upwards of 50 wolves and better than half a score of dark friends, yes? Perhaps when you've seen a few more actions and he tries to object and he says, I would say six or eight wolves, child by and perhaps no other humans than these two. You have the true zeal but no experience outside the cities. It's a different thing bringing the light when the streets and houses are far distant. Wolves have a way of seeming more than they are in the night and men also, six or eight at most I think. I also suspect they were here for the same reason we are. The only easy water for at least uh, a day in any direction. A much simpler explanation than spies or traitors within the children and the simplest explanation is usually the truest. You will learn of experience. Yeah, I think that's very telling, isn't it? Of the sort of man Barnhold is. Yeah. Um, I quite like him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, I, think he ha- yeah, I think he has, like, an underlying um, sense of, like, threat about him but he's sort of quite logical and calm and collected about it all like he gets described as a grandfatherly old time and I think even Perrin sort of like warms to him 
and I kind of get it. Yes. But there's there is a threat there still. He's he, you get the sense that he's very intelligent. He's very capable. Yeah. And like again, the describing of his grandfather. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't know if you I don't know if you sort of pulled it out of these sort of interactions, but we are jumping forward a little bit. When when he's talking to Perrin and Bias like sort of beats Perrin, doesn't he? Yes. And Bonhold doesn't step in. Yes. So it's like he he has Bias around as sort of it's sort of like I don't want to say good cop, bad cop. No, but can't yeah, like Do you know what I mean? But like he never stops by it. No. Uh, I, I know exactly the bit you're referring to. I have got it underlined somewhere. Um, so you do get this sort of feeling that he's like, oh, maybe he's not so bad. But like, he's not. He's not beating up. He's not. Yeah, so he gets it. I mean, does he. Yeah, he, uh, he tries to attack Perrin, doesn't he? Child buyer. Yeah. When he speaks out. He will keep a civil tone. And, uh, and almost gets a Gwen. Um, yeah. You'll speak a similar tongue when speaking to a knight of the light, or you'll have no tongue. Uh, and Bonal says, Go easy, child buyer. He doesn't say stop. Yeah. He says, Just maybe hold your horses a little bit, doesn't he? So he gets to look like the good guy. Yes. Um, and he sort of explains himself a little bit. Um, and I think Perrin says it at some point, though, doesn't he? Yeah, so Perrin looks at the garden face once I know over him. Over them for child buyer's sake, he noticed that the Lord Captain did not tell Bayer to leave them alone. Yeah. Bayer met his eyes and smiled, and the smile touched only his mouth. But yeah. Um, he's an interesting character, isn't he? He's Bottled, got, like yeah. I say, he, he, I quite like him. Yeah. But as a villain, like, I know he's not a good guy. Yeah, do you but think I quite like him still. I think there's an element as well of, like, he's a reasonable White Clock. Yeah, <laughs> that like, I guess like, so. The only thing we've seen from White Clock so far is sort of like, well, these zealous child buyer, like, idiots, yeah. ready to just have a fight with anyone who disagrees. Yeah, so it, it's like he looks, he looks reasonable when framed against other like really white reasonable people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely, but yeah, he's definitely not the typical white cop we've seen so far. Definitely not. Um, Do we get about about Perrin's axe as well? Again, um, the axe gets brought up. Yeah. Not a great deal, though. It's sort of made by a capable hand, maybe even a master, but not a farmer's weapon. It's just another sort of way to incriminate Baron, isn't it? Like, yeah. why do you have this? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they get, they get into a bit of back and forth. Like, uh, Bonal tries to find out a lot more about Perrin, only Perrin and only Egwene. Yeah. Um, which is because the first couple of times I read it, I listened to it, I was like, why does he know his name is Perrin? Like, how is he? How is he? He's like, well, we know you're Perrin. And then, like, only maybe the last time, I was like, oh, because Egwene says it's <laughs> Egwene blurts so, it out, yeah. Um, I was like, how does he know he's Perrin and she's not Egwene? Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, um, and there's sort of, the like I said, there's a lot of suspicious things about them and Egwene's going to lie, use one of their sort of pre-established ruses. Um, and Perrin decides that that's not actually going to do the job on this occasion. We, in, so we've had I think we've had most of our the boys blurting out details mm. so far haven't we but I think this is a going time to shine in that regard yeah <laughs> when she says about the border yeah that, when she met him in a bar in bar, in Bailon, um and they had to share, share a table for a meal and Perrin's quite happy to have that well I, just a, a, what you've 
touch on what you've said there before about um, all the evidence stacking up against um, Perrin and Egwene. I mean, Barnard love, like, does a lovely little speech here that perfectly lay, lays it out for us. He says, I give you every chance and you dig yourself deeper with every word. He held up one th- finger. You run with wolves, creature of the Dark One. A second finger, you admit to being acquainted with a warder, another creature of the Dark One. I doubt he would have told you what he did if it was only in passing. A third finger, you boy carry a Tarvalon mark in your pocket. Most men outside Tarvalon get rid of those as fast as they can unless they serve the Tarvalon witches. A fourth, you carry a fighting man's weapon while you dress like a farm boy. A skulker then, the thumb rose. You know, Trollocs have murder all this far south. Only a few scholars and those who have travelled in the Borderlands believe they're anything but stories. Perhaps you have been to the Borderlands. If so, tell me where. I have travelled a good deal in the Borderlands. I know them well. No? Ah, well then. Yeah, he's, he's that, like, very much... Again, he's not... He's not wrong. So, no, I think so far we've had a lot of, like, jumping to conclusions with White Blocks. And, this, yeah, and yeah. again, Barnholder said, look, I've, I've given you every chance to sort of prove your innocence. I'm not here beating the show, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I just want the answers. I want you to turn to the light. However, these are the reasons why everything you're saying is wrong. Yeah, you, you carry, like, a fine weapon and you wear yeah. a farmer's claws and, like, everything he's saying is correct. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's what makes him quite likable as a character. <laughs> it's hard to disagree with his logic. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. If you were in his position, you would do exactly the same thing, I think. And yeah, I, I suppose it hasn't been mentioned yet, has it? But the reason he's taken these two is because Perrin's just killed two of his men. Yeah, like he has. He's not just. He's not just like, oh, you must be bad people because you've got a yeah, axe and blah, blah, Strong reason. It's not like... like you've killed two of his men. It's like, not like his son who was just like... Just started a fight with Rand because he got his cloak a bit more. Yeah. It's like, well, actually, you've killed somebody. Yeah, some you've, some you've, of my people. You've murdered two of my men. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, there's always the argument like, well, you know, we were just there having some war. You were like hunting us down. Like, kind of to be expected. <laughs> but again, if we look back at that confrontation yeah so again I don't want to come off as like a white cloak sympathiser but like the white cloaks found two youngsters hiding and were like come out and you'll be okay like we won't attack you the, they came out and then the white cloaks were attacked by mm-hmm. a wolf yeah yeah they killed the wolf and then Perrin went berserk and killed two of them yeah so from the white cloaks perspective they've just taken them prisoner Mm-hmm. For killing two people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, like, as as like a outside observer. Like if you're one of them. Yeah. And if you're one of them, it's like we're actually being really reasonable <laughs> yeah. to you guys. We we came to a waterhole. We got a bunch of our men killed by wolves, mm-hmm. and you killed two of us. Mm-hmm. What I guess where my maybe problem lies with the white cloak. White cloaks is, they can sit at the bottom of this hill, say, "Come on, we'll fucking kill you." Um, and then the minute that they get sort of matched up, it's like, "Oh, that's not fair! Come on!" Don't yeah, kill I, us. again, I'm not saying like their, <laughs> their sort of actions were yeah, like, it's, like uh, totally noble. After after the, after the fact, like every now and after after they they sort of come out, I'm like, yeah. I, I understand why Perrin and the Green have been taken prisoner. Like, I'm not arguing that, but I think. If you maybe hadn't been so fucking militant in the first yeah, place, yeah. just, you know, Barnard himself at this point he said, well, I think they were just getting water because it's the only water around for ages. Yeah, yeah. Like, so why the fuck are you hunting them? Yeah, well, it was, like, it, just let it go. Yeah, <laughs> more sort of like, oh, why are people here? Yeah. And it was like, I don't, I get the feeling that 
Elias and the Wolves were very aggressive, like straight Elias away. Elias and the Wolves, were, yeah, 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 straight away. So the White Cloaks got their back up immediately mm. into sort of like defense mode. Yeah. Okay. So then, when they discovered Perrin and Gwen, they are they were already under threat. Yeah. Yeah. The chances I mean? are heightened. Sort yeah, of and then they, they got attacked by a wolf. They got attacked by a wolf. They, obviously, Perrin has Perrin knows this wolf as Hopper. And I guess if the if the wolf attacked them and Perrin did nothing, it probably be just a, one of them incidents. Yeah. yeah. But it's the fact they'd, they'd be suspicious by like proximity. But yes. then the fact that Perrin then killed two people yeah. immediately after the wolf died. From the White Cloak's perspective, they defended themselves from a wolf. Mm-hmm. And then Perrin went berserk and killed it with him. Yeah, I, I get. I yeah, get, I, 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 don't know why we're going over it. No, I just, <laughs> like, I, I just want to nail down this sort of why they've taken Perrin essentially. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Where, where were we? I've lost. I've got lost now. Um, we're going over sort of Barnhold's practical yeah, I think approach, the, the, weren't we? Yes. Um, sort of like, and. Oh, we sort of briefly covered it. Our parent just sticks to as much of the truth, truth as possible, and it doesn't really work for. He misses out a part, doesn't he? Yeah. He tells a story, but forgets the word a bit. Yes, and Egwene uh, helps correct that sort of issue, but it doesn't really help. Um, and I think that this ties in with what I've said before, but it's like Bonald's like, oh. I believe I think he tells the truth about the two rivers knowing about Valon and the mines, but Shadar Logos Logoth, this is a name very very few know most of them dark friends. Anyone who knows enough to know the name knows enough not to go there. Um and he sort of tells them that they think of a better story. But I've said before, was it when Tom Rand and Matt would were coming up with stories about where they'd been? I was like, I know you've got to like they're sticking to as much of the truth as possible. Why do they keep mentioning Shadow Logoth? Yeah, that that is a... Stop mentioning it. Yeah, just don't mention that. (laughs) It was such a minor element of your journey. Yeah. You don't need to mention you were there. Um, I guess the Shadow Logoth bit worked a bit more in Tam, Matt and Ran's favour. Because they were right next to it. Because they were right next to it and because um, that's why the Trollocs were chasing them. Yeah. That was was part of their argument. But why... Like, the fact that Perrin's mentioned it... It definitely seems like a slip-up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. like it was nothing. It was a, it, it, you were you were already there, hiding from somewhere else, and something else bad happened. So stop mentioning that you were there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is the massive glaring. What? Hang on a minute. In that story, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I say, I probably wouldn't even figured it if I hadn't mentioned it before. But it's like I get sticking to the sticking to the, the truth as much as you need yes. to, so it's easy to remember. Like I understand that as a concept, but but like, please, everyone, stop mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if you hadn't mentioned that Shadal Goth, it was like, oh, we've been in Berlin and then we've been here, and it's like, no, I suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they're already under enough suspicion as it is yeah. before you start throwing in like uh, trollic tongue names <laughs> of places. Because uh, what's it? What do? What do they, What's it known as? It's not. That's not Manethrin, well, is it? It's in, not a Shadal Goth now. Yeah, but it was Ariton. Like that's an ancient name for it. Yeah. yeah. So that would be suspicious in yes. itself, but probably not as suspicious. I think oh, I think, more, I think so. the suspicious part is just knowing the name Shadala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you were, but if you described it as Arid Hall, that's what I mean. If it, if I think it that was a different more name. suspicious. That, maybe. I was, yeah. uh, I, that's, and I was trying to go down the route of well, maybe even call it by its other name if you're going to mention it at all. And I was like, yeah, no. And you said it's yeah. an ancient name, and I'm like, oh, that I actually feels. I think knowing either of those names is a red flag. Yeah, I think, and, but uh, like you said, I think Arid Hall is probably worse <laughs> yeah. uh, somehow. And we also do get a mention of Amador here. I don't know if we had that problem before. Um, I, th- I mean, 
It seems like their destination. Feels is familiar as a as a for, as a place, but like there's quite a lot of am places like the the Amarillin Amarillin Sea. The Amarillin Sea and it, it's so it says that they're taking them for trial, doesn't it? Right, yes. right at the end of the chat. I'm just skipping ahead just for a second, but he says they're taking them for trial, and he fears a gibbet awaits in Amador. So it sounds mm. like they're going to be under trial in Amador. Well, it sounds like Perrin's going to be under trial. In yeah. So, it, but it just—I'm just drawing attention to it for the fact that, it, like, it feels like maybe the basis. That, yes, the base of them. The, yes, the White Ghost base operations. Maybe. Yeah, which maybe then ties in. I guess that ties in why they're heading the way they're heading, but it doesn't yeah. really, ex- you know, with regards to my question as to why they were there. Yeah. It yeah, it didn't explain why they went to Camden, does it? But yeah, I didn't. Ex- yeah, and why the and there's a deadline to get to Camden as no, well. No, I didn't explain that either. No, isn't that, that that's we haven't touched on that? But they mentioned that there's um, that they need to be in Camden for yeah. a specific time. We still don't uh, know that. And we don't know why. If Amador is their base, we don't know why they were away from it. What their mission was? Yeah, out and about. Yeah, we still got no idea of that one. You know, with regards to my question before, I was like, well, what are these guys doing here? They think it's yeah. weird that other people are there. Why are these here? Yeah. Um, we know why they're heading the way they're heading, but not why why they were there in the first place. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty much done. Um, Egwene, sort of, uh, sorry, Bonal tries, basically says Egwene needs to come to the light and she'll be fine. Uh, and like you say, he's, he tells Perrin that he's going on trial. Yeah. Or, it's a couple, a couple like, of weeks. I don't know whether it is a trial. It says, for you, I fear a jubilant wait. So it's maybe just... Yeah, it's more sort of, there's going to be a trial, but you murdered two of us. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's probably not going to end well for you. There's also a mention of questioners. Um, yeah. If you refuse to come to the light by the time we reach Amador, I'll be forced to turn you over to the questioners. And beside them, by our zeal, is but a candle beside the sun. Yeah. I don't know what sort of vibe you get from the word questioners. Torturers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's sort of, if you've got someone... Who is uh, more zealous than Bayer? Yeah, it doesn't sound like good news, does it? Definitely not. Um, shall we quickly fling through into the next chapter's symbol? Yeah, we got a symbol. Um, interesting. One. I haven't seen this for a while. When have we seen this? I, chapter six, chapter Westwood, and that is it. So, what do you think a symbol is? It's a heron sword. Yeah, heron maglade. Yeah. Um, feels like oh, we got the title. I right, play for your supper. Yeah. Means nothing to me. Means nothing, okay. <laughs> oh, I don't like it when you say that because it sounds like maybe I've missed something. Well, I mean, what does what does play for your supper mean? Like, um, just on, like, on very basic terms. Begging on you, like, you got to do something for a payment? Yeah, yeah. Do you not think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. So, no. I guess, but are you saying that maybe they need to kill somebody? So, I mean, so from, from the symbol, who do you think we're with? Rand. Okay. So, I mean. <laughs> Play for your supper in very basic terms mm-hmm. is performing for a meal. Yeah. 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 Cool. I'll just leave it at that, I guess. <laughs> Don't know what else you want from me on yeah. that one. Um, yeah, but I guess if you then tie it and perform for a meal with um, a sword symbol, okay. so maybe killing somebody. Killing someone for. Something you need. Okay, yeah. It doesn't have to be. Sounds uh, good. Can't remember the specifics. Whether it's whatever their escape route has been. I assume it's a, they've escaped. Um, so maybe so we last to, saw them in Whitebridge. Yes. Yeah. To pay for that escape. To uh, I guess possibly even there might be prisoners and it's to pay for the damage they've caused. You know. Yeah. I guess there's options, isn't there? Yeah. 
Um, Interesting, we haven't seen that. I, I wasn't aware we hadn't seen that symbol since chapter six. Yeah. It's only the only the only mm-hmm. other time we've it's a seen while it. Ago. Um, you know, and when I've looked into the chapters, the Westwood. So it's the chapter where Rand is dragging Tam through the Westwood, and Tam has his fever dream. Mm-hmm. Um, Very so we might. That I do. There's a thought where we might get a bit more information from Tam's. No, from Rand's past, potentially. But just because that felt like quite a major thing that happened in the last chapter that had the heron sword in. Yeah, sounds good. Because um, there wasn't really any killing. No, it was very... It was a walking through the like woods a, and chatting. Like a, fever rap, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, fever rap, backstory heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it might be a bit of backstory. But good stuff. That's all I got. Look forward to that one. And that's it. Excellent. See you all next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Spiel of Time. You can share any thoughts or questions with us at spiel underscore time on Twitter. We also have an email, spieloftimepodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time for more Wheel of Time.